0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, October 20th, 2021. I'm Caleb Brown. Fewer and fewer economists are describing the inflation now present in our economy as transitory, as many more economists are now predicting inflation will be with us for a longer term. Norbert Michel is the brand new director of the Cato Institute's Center for Monetary and Financial Alternatives. We discussed how the Federal Reserve and Congress ought to respond you know if you watch uh, bloomberg which i watch probably too much of you would see even late last week uh, investors saying well yes this inflation is still transitory but what by transitory what i mean is it it will be with us for the next 18 months <laughs> and so so i wonder what that means and so uh, when you look at what we're seeing with respect to inflation um I think a lot of people would have expected, well, of course, we're going to see inflation with this massive spending spree. And yet we have years of data that says, nope, we've seen massive increases in spending before, and we haven't seen inflation uh, show up in consumer prices. Can you uh, talk about that a little bit? Yeah, no, it's exactly right. Uh, We
1: have... Witnessed a lot of people recently talking about all this money creation and how that's going to give us inflation. But uh, you have data, we have data going back, not just in the United States and other countries, but particularly in the U.S., all the way back to the 80s, got a very loose, poor correlation between just the monetary aggregate and inflation. Um, If anything, over the last 30, 40-plus years, The central banks of the world, the Fed included, have been struggling to hit an inflation target. Uh, Inflation has been low and stable almost across the board in spite of all that money printing, so to speak, uh, and all the government spending.
0: And so when we look at the channels through which inflation moves, housing has always been one of the first. And uh, with a pandemic, we've seen a lot of people, uh, you know, reshuffling their uh, the arrangements of their lives to to deal with this pandemic. And and a lot of that has has meant even faster growth in the housing market is from what you can tell. Is that in part driven by uh, the same things that are driving the price increases in other areas of the economy? I, I don't think so. Not right now.
1: I, I think. I think uh, right now what we have is probably sort of um, a, a separate issue on 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 housing. Um, we've got a lot of um, government-backed housing finance, and that's driving some of that right now. Uh, if you look at the data, you have a lot of second home and investment home purchases, which, believe it or not, are uh, also being fueled in part by government-backed housing finance policies. Um, and and it's even more so than it was prior to the 2008 financial crisis. So, I mean, this is, I think, a little
0: bit different um, than what we would normally have. Now, in terms of comparisons that we've heard between the inflation that we're seeing now and the so-called stagflation of the 1970s, mm. Yeah, we're not at we're not at risk right now of a stagnant economy.
1: No, we're not, and and it's nothing like the '70s. Uh, if we look at those numbers, we are nowhere near that sort of uh, catastrophic failure, if you will. Um, I mean, we're talking about inflation rates, you know, that were in the double digits. Um, you know, right now we're you know, Even if you look at it with a bad sort of cut, you know, to make it look as bad as you possibly can, we're talking about low single digits. So we're nowhere near that. And the unemployment situation is also very different. you know, there was uh, th- this is a different kind of shock to employment and you have different kinds of policies that are probably perpetuating the unemployment situation right now that you did not have in the 1970s. So I, it's we're 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 still quite a ways away from a valid comparison to that that horrible stagflation period.
0: In the 1990s, Alan Greenspan and Bill Clinton were famous in a sense for Work trying to actively work together to put uh, monetary policy and fiscal policy somewhat in sync. Uh, what we appear to be seeing now is a Fed that has responded with uh, stimulus. The Fed, the Congress, and the President responding with uh, stimulus, and so it's not. Yeah, it, it seems like the the way <sighs> that the Feds in general want to mess with the economy. To achieve some laudable social goals, perhaps, uh, does not actually perhaps actively hinders our efforts at learning what the heck is going on.
1: Well, that's true. Uh, Yeah, it's going to hinder our efforts to figure out what's going on. But, But I think, I mean, in general. I I do believe they are working together, maybe just not in the way that we were used to, uh, (laughs) but but they are accommodating the Fed day. They are accommodating uh, that fiscal profligacy, if you will. Um, And I don't think that's a good thing. And I do think that that will be inflationary relative to not accommodating them so much, uh, accommodating the fiscal authority so much. And there's a lot there Uh, It really gets us into the weeds, but the Fed's not operating the way they used to operate, Um, not prior to the 08 crisis and certainly not in the 1970s. Um, It's a completely different operating framework. It is much easier to accommodate fiscal spending uh, than it was prior. And, you know, the truth is that you're you're not going to have any empirical data that shows or helps you predict, rather, how that's going to pan out because, it's completely new. We
0: haven't had such an operation, period. You're very interested in what is happening uh, and oh, yeah. what the truth is, what the truth ultimately will reveal about what's going on uh, in the economy right now. There are still some mixed signals about just how long we should expect this inflation to stick around, whether or not this is just a hangover from the the pandemic and the pandemic uh, Various supply chains attempting to work themselves out and get back to a sense of normalcy where people can uh, have stable prices throughout the economy. Yeah. What would you hope that both the Federal Reserve and Congress do so that we can uh, to speed that process so that Americans have prices that they can depend on? Well, the Congress side
1: is the one that I have the least faith in. But what they should do is not do any more deficit spending. We've been doing a lot of deficit spending. And if you keep doing deficit spending, uh, at some point you end up in the classic too many dollars chasing the same amount of goods sort of scenario. So that, that's just not sensible at the moment. Um, we have to let all this spending that we have play out. And, and, and it probably will be inflationary, but if we keep doing more of it, it stands to reason that it will be even more inflationary um, and not help clear the markets and 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 let people work things out um, And at the same time, the Fed needs to be accommodating to a point and not over tighten um, because we do have supply shocks right now and um, unfortunately uh, when you have a supply shock, you have higher prices and the classic, tightening from the Federal Reserve uh, doesn't work the same way in a supply shock. And <laughs> so you, you, you have to have the central bank uh, be very diligent and patient and not pull back, so to speak, on the monetary reins too much. Because if you do, then you end up with shortages and even higher prices. And that's what you don't want.
0: What should Congress do specifically with respect to The Federal Reserve and its authorities, which, you know, thinking back to 2008, were dramatically expanded in a way that was not clearly authorized by Congress.
1: That's right. They've implemented this interest on reserves uh, framework, and that was a mistake. Um, It might have been a short-term solution for something that they screwed up, but that's different. (laughs) And that doesn't mean that we should keep doing it. So I want to see Congress pull that back. Um, I want to see Congress change their mandate. We're in the classic example of why a Federal Reserve or a central bank should not be targeting prices. Um, I would like to see targeting nominal spending instead. Uh, And, you know, it just doesn't look like the Fed's going to do that without Congressional force, <laughs> um, but that's what I want to see. I want to see Congress pull back on the Fed so that the balance sheet doesn't keep expanding, so that they're not easily accommodating more fiscal spending. Um, if Congress wants to do that, that's on Congress, and and they should. Everybody should feel the consequences. That's the way this is supposed to work. And have the central bank do something that's more sensible for when you have both supply or demand shocks.
0: Uh, in the Financial crisis that began in 2007 uh, and mm-hmm. went through uh, what 2009, I guess. Yeah, pretty much. Um, the we saw uh, a dramatic increase in the Fed balance sheet, yep. And then, kind of nothing. Like it didn't really decline back to the levels we would have expected it to uh, after a crisis of that magnitude. Certainly not the way we saw uh, federal spending decline after World War II, for example. That's right. So, what should they do in response to what they what they've done now? Like, how do we encourage the Federal Reserve to say, "Hey, now's the time, now that we have some smooth economic sailing, which we hope we will get to after uh, this pandemic subsides." How do we encourage the Fed to to take it upon themselves to dramatically reduce their balance sheet without pressure from Congress? It's
1: not going to happen. Um, okay, it just isn't. Lots of people have, you know, pointed this sort of thing out that you know it's time to start tapering. Um, it's time to start paring back, and they're, they've made it clear that they're not. They have made it clear that they believe they're in an environment in an operating framework that calls for a permanently higher balance sheet. So it's not going to happen. Uh, they're not going to tear.
0: They're not going to pare it back down. And con- Congress faces its own. Uh, incentives here, Mm -hmm. which uh, with a massive balance sheet with a very active Federal Reserve, it can potentially accommodate even further growth in spending, which we don't want to see either. That's right.
1: And they can, the Fed used to have a mechanism to push back. And this is sort of one of the political economy pieces of this. Uh, They used to be able to say, well, no, we have an inflation mandate. We have to watch our inflation target." So we can't buy a whole bunch of assets well the framework that they've got actually kind of separates uh, the perceived or the possible rather uh, inflation effects and the purchases of the balance sheet so they don't have that that ability to push back by using their congressional mandate so you've you've really got sort of the worst of you know all possible scenarios with a central bank now you've got a central bank that is essentially built um, to accommodate spending for any reason, not just you know if you go back to World War two or World war one right it's not not the same uh, back then, at least you could say well. You know, the world is under attack. We've got to build up our military to fight Hitler and Japan and so forth. Right. So there's that. But you don't have that now. (laughs) So there's this isn't for a specific reason. This is for literally anything. Um, And that's that's a
0: that's a different scenario. That's something that we should have always tried to avoid. So to the extent that we're seeing inflation uh, that is going from uh, short run to medium run. Yeah. Ah, uh, people are going to start writing contracts that are a little different than contracts that they have written in the past, and business arrangements are going to have inflationary expectations built in in a way that we have not seen for a very long time. I think that's
1: a good possibility, yeah, I do. I mean, it, to the extent that it has started happening now, you hear a little bit about it here and there. Um, but again, all these sorts of things take time, and i I I think unless you start seeing uh, something change really soon in terms of the direction of these these price movements and 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 the causes of these supply shocks being sort of addressed, um, you know, directly, um, and you throw more fiscal spending, more deficit fiscal spending on top of it, it's it's only going to go in one direction, um, and then you are going to see those expectations change and people behaving differently and writing different contracts.
0: Norbert Michel is the brand new director of the Cato Institute Center for Monetary and Financial Alternatives. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast pretty much anywhere and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.